Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast Series. This episode is titled Munkalore Offshore Trolling Lures. We're going to be featuring Jody Monk of Munkalore, and he'll be covering such areas as the origination of the Munkalore, target species for this offshore trolling lure, simple rigging and techniques, and then we're going to talk about when and where in the spread to deploy. My name is Gary Hurley of Fisherman's Post. Fisherman's Post has been serving the saltwater fishing community of North Carolina since 2003. We've been bringing you fishing reports, fishing information, fishing tournaments, fishing schools. And here in our latest and greatest effort, the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast Series, where we reach out to our captain and guide friends from up and down the North Carolina coast and ask them to share with us their insights and knowledge on how to catch more fish more often. In this endeavor, in this pursuit, this podcast pursuit, I am joined every episode with my podcast partner, Billy Thorpe of Thorpe Creative. Billy, I hope you're ready. We got another one to do tonight. We're looking at Munkalore offshore trolling lures. Yeah, man, I'm excited. Always, uh, I don't know that much about offshore fishing, but always looking to learn. And I'm sure there's others just like me. And who knows? This might spark off somebody's, you know, new addiction to a different style of fishing. So I'm pretty excited to learn more about Munkalure and what they got going on. Hey, don't tell everybody, but I don't know that much about offshore fishing, but that's just between you and me. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty good at faking it though. Gary knows how to go. So what time do I need to be at the dock? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Hey, you got a freezer on that big boat? I want to bring some ice cream sandwiches. <laughs> you, you, you back in the baloney or me? Which one? <laughs> Oh, man, too much fun. Well, Gary, I'll go ahead and get us kicked off here talking about some sponsors. Uh, we really appreciate our sponsors here. And Bland Landscaping Company uh, has come on come on strong this year with us, so we really appreciate them. And they are looking for some quality men and women to come work for their company. You can go to blandlandscapingco.com slash careers and see what kind of careers they have. And they're uh, a really nice, well-put-together company. Uh, reached out to us, and they're looking for the the people who are passionate about the outdoors, passionate about being with their family and friends and going to work early, getting off early. So a really career move. And I went and checked out all their benefits and uh, they get a lot of them. So if you're looking for a, a career, this is a, a good place to start. Yeah, man, I like their formula. Go to work early and get off early. Then you got plenty of time left in the day to play. I mean, that definitely would work for me. And that's not even talking about their approach of not a job, but a career. So I do hope, I hope we're helpful in getting the right people matched together with bland landscaping. Exactly. Yep. And when you go work for them, you can save up the money that they pay you and you can go to Marine Warehouse Center and buy a boat. And I get a quick message from them. I'll be right back. At Marine Warehouse, we have everything. We have new boats. We have parts. We have accessories, new trailers. We have a complete service department with highly trained technicians. Anything you need to get out on the water, we have it. At Marine Warehouse Center, as we've grown over the last few years, now have a large section of marine supplies from start to finish for all your boating needs. What I love about this region is to be able to get out on the water, and also we love to be able to get you out on the water. The best part of working at Marine Warehouse is being able to get involved with the customers and share a love for the water. All right, Gary, there you go, man. Good looking. 
good looking boats, good looking dudes. Now's the time, man. The season, is, the season is practically here. Now's the time to yeah. get a relationship with Marine Warehouse Center. Again, whether it's sales, service, or parts, man, you you know, it, you would be a smart move to create a relationship like I have with Marine Warehouse Center. Yeah, man. Great company. And they're here in Wilmington area. They are in the Charleston area. And then also they ship worldwide. So uh, if you see something on their website or call and looking for something in particular, they can probably help you out. And they're well connected. They so out. if they can't, they'll get it. They'll get you somebody that can help you. So they'll get you someone that can help you out. That's you right, need a man. good joke. I don't know if they can help you. They'll just going to transfer <laughs> you to Terrell and good joke. I don't know about the good joke part. You're kind to them. I'm not. But All if right. you're ready, I've got Terrell's latest. I'm excited. I'm excited to hear it. All right. Again. Terrell's joke, not mine. Did you hear about the boater who ate alphabet soup? No. You found the seven C's. <laughs> okay, that's pretty funny. I mean, not the funniest I've heard from Terrell, but pretty good. It's getting better. It's getting better. Watch out, Kevin Hart. Terrell's coming for you. <laughs> you better watch out. <laughs> yeah, let's get those two together. <laughs> oh man yeah i'm gonna get them together and i'm gonna go hey you guys want to see a fish picture and they're gonna go yeah let's see one so gary yeah. got one for you you got brent west with a gaffer mahi caught offshore of atlantic beach uh he was fishing aboard lone wolf out of beaufort with captain mike dupree also known as slick we've had him on the show before so it's a nice good good work uh Sir, I forget Mr. West, and also good work, Mike Dupree. <laughs> and you guys should go check out one of Mike's episodes. He's been on a couple times. So uh, good good, good fisherman, good captain, and, and uh, that's a great-looking fish. I bet it was yummy. <laughs> yeah, man, I agree. <laughs> I like it. Offshore, we're, we're, the theme is offshore, man. Offshore fish, offshore guest. Looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, I'm looking forward to learning some more, Gary, so I'm going to pass it over to you and you guys take it away. Yeah, man. Billy, it's my pleasure. Introduced to the show, Jody Monk of Monkalore Offshore Trolling Lures, Monkalore. Um, Jody, welcome to the show, man. Pleasure to have you on. Hey, thanks, Gary. Really appreciate uh, Fisherman Post uh, hosting this and uh, Fisherman Education. What you guys do is awesome. I mean, I, I enjoy it. I'm glad to hear others enjoy it, and we're happy to have you help us serve that cause. But before we get you to serve that cause as is tradition on the podcast. You have two questions. You let me know you're ready for question number one and I'll give you question number one. I'm ready. Jody Monk. Why should we listen to anything you have to say about offshore trolling lures? Anything. Yeah, that, that is a good question. Um, you know, I've, I've been fishing offshore probably 20, 25 years, somewhere around there. Um, uh, and the techniques that we're going to talk about here tonight, um, I've had pretty good success with. Um, and, and the lures that we use, uh, I've been fishing these for, for that long easily. Uh, but I think probably more importantly, why maybe you should listen to me uh, as a, I'm just a humbled lure maker. Um, so, but I've had a lot of, our, our company's had a lot of feedback from, uh, you know, all of our clients, not all of our clients, but a lot of our clients and, um, you know, a large majority of those uh, customers that uh, fish our products um, are professionals in this industry. 
you know, a lot of your charter captains, your professional mates uh, from Oregon Inlet down to Wilmington, Moorhead, Atlantic Beach, Hatteras. Uh, and, you know, a lot of those folks use our product and the techniques that we're going to be talking about here in this podcast um, really to help as a tool to help, you know, the success of their own business. And uh, so that kind of speaks for itself. That does, man. That is certainly an acceptable answer. And that certainly qualifies you for question number two. Are you ready? Question number two. Go for so, it. So Munkalore is trademark, correct? It is. All right. So I have a trademark question for you. I'm going to give you a list of four items. I would like you to tell me which of the four items is trademarked. The phrase, it's on like Donkey Kong. The phrase... That's hot. Uh, the sound of Darth Vader's breathing or the phrase, let's get ready to rumble. I'm going to go with let's get ready to rumble. Well, Jody, I set you up for success because actually all four of those are trademarked. Every one I gave you, that's hot. Paris Hilton. It's on like Donkey Kong, Nintendo. Lucasfilm, the Sarm of Darth Vader's breathing, and then let's get ready to rumble. Michael Buffer. So, so you seem like a nice guy. I wanted to give you a question you couldn't get wrong unless you just chose not to answer it. So congratulations, man. We're ready to move on to the main event. All right. I appreciate that, Gary. Well, before we get into the application of the lore, man, I am curious about, you know, lore makers and the process. And uh, I believe Munkalore has a pretty good origination story, origination story. So, you know, tell me what you got, man. How did Munkalore come, come to be? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, it, it all started with my uncle um, down in Atlantic Beach, uh, probably in the early 90s. He was a commercial fisherman, um, a well-respected mate there at the fishing center on the Causeway Atlantic Beach. Um, fished numerous um charter boats and tournaments thereof. Uh, and he started playing around with lures on uh, basically they were, he was looking for something that was very simple to fish, something that caught more fish. Um, and he his one of his best friends, captain Curly Williams, um, on the cement, uh, him and captain Curly, they pulled these lures day in and day out and he would tweak them, um, each night and go back to the drawing board the next day and just see what had the best action what was the uh you know what what called the most fish and um i have a neat little uh board here that we we keep in our shop and this is kind of a, a little evolution these are all lures let's see if i can get it in front of the camera there these are all lures that he designed or he made and uh, they all have different angles on the nose they're different sizes different molds um so neat little kind of ev evolution board there um he ended up with the design that we have today. Um, that was the design that he stuck with. And uh, unfortunately in 2005, he passed away and we were going to kind of let this lure uh, dissolve, be his legacy, dissolve with him. Uh, but our phone started ringing off the hook and, you know, my dad was instrumental. My brother and I who run the company now, uh, you know, we, we decided to start making the lures, but we said, hey, you know what? We're only going to make them like he did. So we're not going to change the molds, the size. We're not going to change uh, the color patterns. 
Um, and really largely to its success. I think, I think that was why it's really doing well today is that we didn't monkey with something that already, no, no pun intended, uh, that something that already worked really well. Um, so it, it was started and then he, you know, he gave a lot of these lures away uh, to his mates, uh, his friends, his captains, um, and they tried them out and he would get feedback. And this last design here that he had is what he really liked and he knew worked really well. So, but um, well, then, yeah, um, I like that. I like that story. I, I think I had a little bit of an inkling of, of that as the origination story. So, I know that in our notes we said we're going to talk about some target species, but I mean, do you have an example of what the main product Munkalore is putting out there now? And then maybe even give me a little bit of description of what makes it that lore. Uh, keep in mind, we got some people that listen to the podcast. Don't just watch it. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, the lure that we currently have today is basically uh some people call it a stick bait. Uh, it resembles very closely to a cedar plug, um, but they're they're mostly translucent. Um, we hand paint every one of them. It's a it's a it's a family affair for sure. Uh, and we mold them uh, right here in Clayton and in, in Raleigh, North Carolina. We do them all by hand. Um, it has a has an angled face to it, so it, it does uh, push push some water. Uh, it's only about seven inches in length, uh, which you know. Your average size, um, you know, flying fish is about that size. Uh, so it, it kind of fits right in that, that target zone as far as matching the hatch with size. Um, has a really good action, kind of a wobble action. Um, and, you know, nice little smoke trail coming off the back. So. And so what, what are the options that Munkalore offers? Like, I mean, are they so extensive you can't even list them all? <laughs> well, we, we try to stay competitive with the market for lures this size. Um, but really, we have eight colors that we sell retail, uh, it, ranging from pink to probably one of our most uh, popular colors is this tequila sunrise here. It's kind of a, a gold and yellow kind of transitions, transitions into an orange and then hot pink off the backside. Um, and, and then we have a, a black and purple uh, that you know, that also is probably our darkest color lure that we, that we currently have. Um, but they're all the same size. We are starting to uh, play around with some, some sizes that are smaller and bigger. Um, but really, this, this size here has worked out really well for everyone. So, uh, Man, what are the, uh, for that seven-inch uh, pulling lure, what are the target species? Like, what, what do I have my best chances at when I have monk lure in the spread? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say our definitely our primary species would be mahi mahi. Um, I think my uncle, when he was designing this lure, he wanted something on a hot bite that he could sling out there that was going to be effective. Um, quick turnaround on putting the fish in the box, rapid deploy back out, and you know, uh, it's all about catching more fish. Uh, so yeah, mahi mahi definitely probably is the target species, but uh, you know. Not uncommon to, if you get into blackfin, the blackfin will gobble them up. Uh, the wahoo definitely favor that black and purple. A lot of fish have been caught on those black and purple monk lures. Um, let's see. If the white marlin sailfish are in, uh, definitely usually every every season, early in, in, in the summer, we get some 
accounts where people are catching sailfish and uh, white marlin on them also. So what would be your, uh, the darker, the black purple for Wahoo, what's your favorite color for Mahi? Um, my favorite color for Mahi is, well, I'll probably have to say this, uh, this blue and clear. It's a, we call it a mackerel stripe blue and clear. This is one of my favorite. I've, the only citation Mahi that I personally have caught has been on this, this color here. Uh, most captains in probably most charter boats and captains here in North Carolina would, would swear by our blue and white. Uh, blue and white is just a classic color here in North Carolina. Uh, running offshore, uh, you know, if that is a very popular one also. And then that tequila sunrise, it, it's really hard to beat when it comes to color. Has anyone patterned anything that they prefer when the black fins are in? Um, the black fins, usually our hot pink lure or the green, uh, anything with green in it is typically what uh, people have been fishing for the tunas, the reports that we get back. So all the lures that you... I believe all the lures that you showed me are already rigged. Is that how I'm purchasing them? Is that how I'm walking out of the tackle shop? Or we're going to talk about rigging because that's not how I'm going to walk out the tackle shop with them. Right. Yes. Um, so off of our website, you can buy them rigged uh, or you can buy them unrigged. And I'll, I can show you a little bit later the different styles of, of rigging. Um some of the tackle shops just buy the singles from us um, and they will rig them in the shop for you. Um, and then some of the, some tackle shops just have them on the shelf. Well, man, what are we going to, I have in my notes that after target species, we're talking about simple rigging and techniques. I mean, are we talking rigging first? Are we talking techniques first? How do you see this, this next chapter going? Yeah. Um, let's go into rigging first and then we can go into techniques and they, they, they can be kind of one in the same. Maybe when we roll into techniques, it's more, uh, when, where in the spread and how, um, right speed. Yeah. All right. So what we found out, uh, when, when we started fishing these years ago, uh, there, there was really kind of two camps and how they rig these lures, uh, which was interesting to us, uh, the Atlantic Beach and the Moorhead, um, that that population of fishermen down there on the waterfront, they usually rigged it very similar to a cedar plug. Um, so as you can see, this let me get my hand out of the way. There you go. Um, so as you can see, this needle eye hook goes up into the the uh, the lure itself, um, and there it is. And this is a I think 3412 Mustad needle eye. Um, I don't know if you can see this or not, but I like to wrap that needle eye around that shaft before we crimp it. Uh, sometimes these needle eyes can be a little on the abrasive side, uh, especially with fishing with mono. Uh, but that is a very popular way to fish this this lure. Uh, we're typically fishing. Uh, if you if you buy them from us, we rig them on a 100 100 pound mono. The 100-pound mono really allows this lure to, to produce the action that it was designed to. Uh, if you go on a charter boat or something, you'll probably see it rigged with a lot higher than that, and that's fine too. Uh, and I've, I've rigged them on 50 before, and they, they do just fine. So, uh, But typically, we rig them uh, with 100 mono with the needle eye hook uh, is, is one option that you have. 
Uh, and then, you know, we started fishing out of uh, Hatteras years ago, and we saw that the Hatteras crowd, they were fishing more with a, with a circle hook, uh, not a circle hook, but just a J hook um, crimped on the bottom and just where it kind of dangles in the back. And this hook here is just a seven aught. It's a dink hook. It's a 9174 uh, mustad hook. Uh, very, very common hook in the offshore world, especially with uh, natural baits. So that is the two kind of different camps. And then some guys, if they pull them the, with the hook dangling in the back, it's very important if you make your loop, and I'll see if I can get this where you can see it. Um, so if you make your loop where this hook can really, it's not, it's not bound. Um, it really can dangle and move back and forth. That helps. And then you can see this little tri-bead right before the crimp, which keeps that hook. So it keeps that hook more back in the skirt there. Uh, a lot of people think that's really good for the, the short strikes. So keeping that hook more uh, close to the tail of the, tail of the, uh, of the lure there. Um, and it is important to use a tri-bead on these because if you use a round bead, it actually plugs up the hole in the back of the lure uh, and it'll take away your bubble trail. So uh, if you do rig it with a bead, uh, try and find the tri-beads. Hey, I got um, a couple of follow-up questions. Sure. So, I mean, what would the Atlantic Moorhead crowd say is the advantage to having the hook up in the lure similar to a cedar plug? And then what would the Hatter's crowd would say is the advantage to not having it in the lure, but having it back, you know, in the skirt? Yeah, I think having it back in the skirt is, is better for your short strikes. So if that fish comes in a little on the late side, the Atlantic Beach Moorhead crowd or anybody that runs it like a cedar plug, um, you know, it's a, it's a bigger hook. Typically it's a nine aught. Uh, or 9-0 hook uh, with the smaller hooks we're using sevens so it is a little bigger hook um, and maybe the premise is that fish coming in you know coming in forward with that bigger hook um, like that okay man i just i just wondered what they would say you know why it works for them and, the, and that's the answer I, yeah, I mean, that's so what i was looking for thanks what's what's next i didn't mean to throw you off rhythm but i i was just wondering what people would say yeah, no, great question. Great question. Um, and, you know, depending on the fisherman, everybody probably has a, has a different answers, you know, to that. But uh, another way of rigging it is with wire. And this is a way you can order off our website. Um, reasons you would rig for wire, if you know uh, the Wahoo are in the area, this, you know, it's just number nine piano wire, a simple haywire twist on either. And we're still using that 3412 needle eye that goes up into the up into the lure. Uh, very effective way to catch wahoo. A lot of guys put it on a planer, you know, throw it down on a number four, number six planer, uh, and very effective way of catching wahoo. Man, I, I follow everything. I mean, I, I think that's easy enough, especially the detail about the tri bead, um, giving me some options and. I mean, I, th I think this is just the natural segue into, all right, man, now I've got some different ways to rig my Moncalore. How do you suggest I incorporate it into my spread? Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
you know, it's a, a lot of people fish dink baits and, and naturals for Maya, and it is, it is hard to beat, you know, that is really the way to go. Uh, but where this, where this lure really fits in, uh, in a spread would be, uh, you know, I always say kind of add to your menu and, and this would be a good way to add to your menu if you are a natural bait fisherman. Um, and a lot of nat, uh, you know, fishing dink baits, they put them right on those flats, right out the back of the boats in the wash. Uh, and, you know, I like seeing the muckalure right in that wash, right in the flat. Uh, it's a very effective, we've seen the hookup ratios about the same uh, per dink bait, it can be. Uh, and it's really good on the flats. Um, from there, I would probably recommend going out more your mids or longs uh, because it is, a, it is a pretty light lure. And if you have that sharp angle on your shorts, uh, your short riggers and things like that, it could it tend to pull it out a little bit. So run them on your mids, you know, 20, 25 yards back or further. Uh, not uncommon to throw it on a shotgun either, uh, but probably on a shotgun, you'd probably want it, you know, not too of a windy day. Uh, once again, it is a light, light lure. It could drift on you a little bit. Um, so those are the common places that we do see them in the spread. And so, man, so this lure, like, again, I guess what you said before, the seven inch length is what we are most trying to mock is a flying fish. Is that, is that sort of the philosophy of Munkalore? You know, it's very close to an average size flying fish, but also too, you know, when you look at weed lines and bait fish that, you know, congregate on anything floating or, or especially weed lines, uh, I think it's, it's not an intimidating size for fish to come up on. Um, and it, it does kind of match that, that size of bait fish that is hanging around those, uh, those objects. Well, man, this has been good. I mean, I, I think we've hit all our talking points. You know, this has been good. I, I, I've been a fan of the bait. I mean, told you, I think that it was, well, you know, one of the captains I highly respect was, you know, sort of touting you and wanting to put us together and, you know, I'm not sure what else, like, I want to give you like, what's our final thoughts or anything else to talk about as far as like how Munkalore can, you know, if the mission is more fish more often, you know, give us my final thoughts on Munkalore. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one tidbit is speed. Uh, we typically say about seven knots, uh, which is usually bait speed uh, for, for, you know, trolling. Uh, but, you know, you can actually slow it down. Uh, especially when you get to structure or weed lines and things like that. Uh, or you can pull it up. We've pulled it as fast as 10 and, and had, had good luck with it. So uh, speed, speed is important also. Um, but final thoughts uh, for Munkalure, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's really simple, simple to fish. It's easy to fish. Uh, anybody can pull these and, and catch fish on them. Uh, it's pretty tried and true. It's, it's, it's a well-used lure here in North Carolina, and, and we're like I said it, in the beginning, we're very humbled and, and uh, proud of that that aspect. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's 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 fun to fish too, and so. But that's and if I if I slow down my troll, is that bait going to sink pretty quickly in the water column, or does it stay buoyant? Like, what's the action I can expect if I do slow it down from seven? Yeah, sure. You know, at at six, seven knots, something like that. It's it's subsurface. It's it's popping about every five seconds, grabbing air, giving a nice little uh, zigzag motion. When you start slowing it down, 
it's still pretty light. So it's going to still, it's going to still stay up and still give you a nice action up top. So it's not a very heavy lure at all. And if someone wanted to order, I mean, just to sort of recap what you've already touched on, this is a product that we're looking at online direct from you, but you also have them in retailers along the coast. Um, typically we're just targeting right now in North Carolina. Um, so that's where mainly our, our bait shops are here in North Carolina. Um, and so we're trying to get coverage here, uh, on the coast. All right. Last question. The last fish you caught on a monk allure. The last fish I caught on a monk allure. Um, let's see, we got, we got blown out this year, just about all year. It was, it was tough for us to get out with, uh, family life and, and work and everything else. Um, so it would be 2020, uh, probably in, it was, uh, mid June, 2020. And what was the fish? It was mahi, a bunch of mahi. A bunch of mahi. Right on, man. That is fun. And I can say, you know, for the person who doesn't want to rig a bunch of live baits, man, that artificial option where you're rigged up before you even head out can make a novice angler's day so much more easier. I mean, I'm, I like the philosophy. I also like your philosophy of just adding it to the menu. Like, you know, why not put out a number of things until you find out what is the key that day? Um. Jody, man, it was fun talking to you. It was fun talking Monkalore. And uh, I hope we have reason to get together and talk fishing again soon. Gary, it was a, my pleasure. Yes, absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, man. All right. Take care. Billy, Monkalore. I love it, man. First of all, I love the story. I'm a sucker for, you know, learning about how products started, how companies started. So, um, to know that it was started in the family and then, you know, the cool thing though, is people are like, nah, dude, we're, we're, you guys got to make these, like we still want them. So that was pretty cool to, you know, as the family's like, yeah, okay, it's just going to do its thing. But, um, pretty cool, pretty cool product, man. I, I love that. I love that they're handcrafted, hand painted. Um, you know, anytime you can bring a piece of art into, you know, it's not just a fishing, I'm, I'm sitting here like I would, I don't have no reason to buy one, but I'm like, I'm probably going to buy one just to have it, just to have that handmade you know family legacy story so uh pretty cool uh, but one thing i did take away gary is make sure you use a tri bleed tri bead so you don't lose your bubble trail <laughs> i thought that was <laughs> you know i think there's a little attention to details probably make a big difference so uh that was one thing i noticed that he said yeah man you, i you i'm with you i i like the story i knew that this you know a little bit of the story behind Monkalore, and you know fisherman's post is a local company you know and and so i do like as fisherman's post you know just supporting other local companies and you know something made here in our backyard you know pulled by a lot of the offshore captains up and down the north carolina coast and mates you know like yeah man just seemed like man let's have a conversation with jody find out a little bit more about Monkalore, you know, a little bit different than talking to a captain that's going to go way in depth into everything in the spread. But here in our wintertime, man, I thought it would make for a good conversation to hear a little bit more about it. Yeah, man. Well, I love it. And I'm the same way, you know, a local business owner. So we love supporting other local companies and even our two sponsors for the show, Marine Warehouse Center and Bland Landscaping Co. are both local to North Carolina. So that's even cooler. Um, and if, and we will take sponsors not local to North Carolina. So if you're hearing this and you want to sponsor the show, reach out to me. It's Billy at Fisherman's Post. Uh, but we do love to support. So if you are in North Carolina, it's even uh, a little icing on the cake. 
Uh, so we really appreciate Marine Warehouse Center and Bland Landscaping. Um, and make sure you go support these companies as they support us. And, and if you want to buy Gary coffee, uh, and maybe it'll make his screen a little less blurry. I got to figure that out. More coffee, less blurry screen. <laughs> yeah. Man, if I don't drink enough coffee, I feel pixelated. And, pixelated. and I think that's what everyone's picking up on. Less coffee, more pixelated. Man, if only, if only. Buymeacoffee.com slash Fisherman's Post. And it'll take care of the pixelation, right? Oh my I hope. gosh. <laughs> All right, Gary, anything else before we get out of here? No, man, I enjoyed it. As always, Billy, thank you for what you do. Absolutely, man. You too, Gary. Great episode. We'll see you in the next one. Fisherman's Post.